honest and humble Christian will always recognize at once that the great need of his life is to have divine leadership. He understands that to live the Christian life, he must follow the Spirit of God wherever the Spirit of God leads. As Jesus here in John 16 is talking to his disciples, he's telling them that he is going away, but that he is going to send another comforter. In, cha in chapter 14, he says this, uh, other comforter will be here to indwell them, to abide with them. 
But then as he goes further in that conversation, you pick up in chapter 16 where we read, and he calls this, this comforter the spirit of truth. And he said, the spirit of truth will be not only a comforter to you, one who will abide with you and indwell you, but he said he'll also be one that will guide you. Now, the Greek word there is hadageo, and it means to show the way. So, in other words, the Holy Spirit is not only in our lives to mold us into, into the image of Christ, but he's also to show us the way to the truth. He's a constant presence in our life, but he's also uh, the one that's going to guide you and show you what God wants for your life and for my life. You know, whenever you're in a city, if you're ever vacationing in a, in a place that maybe you've never really been to before, and it's a touristic kind of place, it's always a good idea to, to get a guide to help you. Uh, I know usually if you go to uh, um, the touristic cities, you have to pay, you know, uh, whatever price there is, and they have different tours around the city. But usually uh, when you pay that price, they have a guide there, and he'll begin to talk to you a little bit about the place, about how the city was started, a little bit of the, the history of it. And then uh, he'll usually talk uh, about the uh, monuments and things that are in that city, the places that people like to go and take pictures. And, and he'll talk a little bit about that. He'll talk about the experiences that you can have there in the city. But on top, of, uh, on top of all of that, you'll find that that guide will also go with you. He'll actually take you to the spots. He'll actually show you where those are at, the fastest way to get there, and, and what you can do when you actually get there. And the guide is more than just a person that talks about what's in the city. He's actually one that shows you everything in the city. Now, Jesus is telling the disciples here in John chapter 16 that the Holy Spirit is exactly that. He says he's not just going to tell you about me. He's going to show you the truth of how you can live a life that is honoring to God. He will lead you where you cannot go on your own. You see, the Holy Spirit is not only one that indwells us, but he is one that will guide us, one that will show us the way to all truth. Now this morning as we look at what exactly that means, you might have the question like I had, well how does the Holy Spirit do this? If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you know that you don't really hear an audible voice just out of the blue uh, talking to you where you can actually hear them like you would uh, a, a child or a, a wife or a husband. You don't have something like that. So how exactly does the Holy Spirit then speak to us? How is it that he is our guide? Well, there's a few things that we must understand, and we've studied them already. The first is that the Holy Spirit is a person. And as a person, he communicates. He's not just a force in the world. There are some people that believe that the Holy Spirit is kind of like a force in the sense that uh, he helps things to go right, and if you're just sort of in the right place, and the Holy Spirit's uh, force will, will guide you in a sense of giving you signs all along the way. But the Holy Spirit isn't some sort of force. In fact, Jesus says that he is a person. He says when he, the comforter, or he, the spirit of truth, has come. Uh, we found and we studied that the Holy Spirit is a person. Now, as a person, that means that we can have a relationship with him. Just like you have a relationship with your best friend, uh, whether it be at school, at work, or in your family, just like you have a relationship with that person, you can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He is a person that you can uh, talk to. 
Now, how is it that we can hear him? How is it that he guides us? Well, uh, if he is a person and he is one that we can communicate with, then here's the first truth that we must understand. That if you're going to uh, hear the Holy Spirit, if you're going to have him to guide you in your Christian life, you must, first of all, recognize his voice. You must, first of all, recognize his voice. You see... The voice of the Holy Spirit is a voice that we can follow. As I said, it's not one that is audible, like the one that you're hearing me speak from right now in this pulpit, but he is a voice that we can follow. He is one that will lead us in a way that we can understand. Now, the way that you do that is by learning to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit. You see, uh, the Holy Spirit is not the only spirit in this world. I don't know if you know this, but there are many spirits in this world. In fact, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 says that we need to try the spirits and see if they be of God, because there are other spirits in this world. There are the uh, spirits of worldliness in our world. There is the, the spirit of the devil that is trying to uh, lead us into disobedience. There is the spirit of man that has the wrong kind of impulses in our life, the, uh, the, the impulses that we have that are not of God, but just of ourselves. That is known as the spirit of man. And there's all these spirits that are trying to get a a voice in our life. And so how is it that we're going to distinguish what is the spirit of God and what is one of those spirits that is not of God? Well, the secret to that is by spending time with him. By spending time with him. Just like you would with any friend that you have, if you're going to recognize a voice, you have to spend time with that person. It's amazing to me when you uh, study uh, what happens in those nine months before you're out of the womb of your mother. They say that a baby, even when it's in the womb of its mother, can start to distinguish voices. In fact, uh, they say if a, if a baby is kicking and, and, uh, and the mom or the father begins to speak to the baby and saying, hey, you're hurting mom, would you please stop? Or uh, listen, uh, are you okay, buddy? And, and, and calm down and things like that. It's amazing. But they say that the, the baby there in the womb can respond. And many times because he knows the voice of that mom, uh, then he'll stop kicking. And sometimes he'll actually respond to that voice that is speaking to him. And after nine months, they say when, uh, when they're about to be born, it's good for uh, the parent there to, uh, the father to be there and, and speaking to the baby and tell him it's okay, you can come out and, and we're here. And it's a very obviously scary experience that none of us remember, thankfully, uh, when you come out of that. Uh, but they say if you have a, a father there that has spent those nine months with that child, that as his fa- uh, father is speaking, it actually helps the child uh, in that birthing process because he hears the voice of his father. He recognizes that voice. And the only way that is possible is if they're spending time with that baby. You know, if you're going to hear and recognize the Spirit of God speaking into your life, you and I are going to have to spend time with him. We're going to have to recognize what it is that his voice sounds like. We're going to have to recognize how it is that he leads us. As I said before, even in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, there in your notes, it says, Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, 
according to the prince of the power of the air, that is Satan, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. There's a spirit that leads each and every one of us to disobey. And Paul said there was a time in your life before, before the Holy Spirit was a part of your life that that spirit spoke to you constantly and you would follow that spirit to disobey. You would disobey the commandments of God and the person of God, and you would go against the Spirit of God. And Paul says, there was a time when that was me. There was a time when that was you, when there was a, a, a time when that was the Spirit that we listened to. That was the Spirit that we followed after. But now, there is another Spirit in our life, and we got to have Time to spend with him to know his voice. First John 4, 6 says, We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. And he, that is not a, and he that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. He says, you know, when you become a child of God, there's a time when you're going to start to recognize, hey, what's the difference between the truth and what's the difference between the error? How do I know that I'm going right and pleasing God? And how do I know that I'm going wrong and not pleasing God? How do I know that the spirit that I'm listening to is the spirit of God and which one is not? That all comes as a result of spending time with him. Realize this morning that if we're going to recognize his voice, the voice of the spirit of God, we must spend time uh, with the spirit of God, speaking with the spirit of God. Now, there's many in our world today that will do certain things and claim that the spirit of God led them to do this. Now, how are we to regulate that? How are we to know? How am I to know when somebody says, well, the Spirit of God led me to do this? How am I to know if the Spirit of God really led him to do that? Now, sometimes you'll hear from the pulpit uh, as a pastor or as a leader there, you'll hear that leader say, well, I just feel that God's leading us to do this and make this decision. In fact, uh, this year we're, we're looking to start our building and uh, we've been uh, led by our pastor to say, listen, I feel the Spirit of God leading us as a church to, to make this next step and to commit to, to building a new building that's going to help our ministry and help us reach more of our city with the gospel of Jesus Christ. How do we know that that is actually from the Spirit of God? That's a great question. How do we know? How do we know that that is his voice? Well, the way you know that is as you spend time with him, you'll also learn his purpose. See, Jesus, as he was speaking to them, he says, listen now, the spirit of truth, he's going to come. He's going to guide you. But let me tell you how he's going to guide you. He's going to guide you by giving you what I have given him. Do you know that the spirit of God will never lead somebody contrary to what Jesus has said? In other words, if Jesus said that we should not lie and that we should forgive our neighbors, do you know that the Holy Spirit will never lead you to hold a grudge? Because that goes against what Jesus has said. In fact, you can look there in verse number 14. That's what Jesus is talking about in verse number 15. He'll give you what I have received from my Father. You see, Jesus said, just like when I was here on earth and, and, and I'm with you as my disciples, he told the disciples, I can only speak what the Father has given me. He said, what I tell you is coming straight from the Father. And he said, now, when I am gone out of this world, I'm going to send you my spirit, the spirit of truth, and he's going to tell you and remind you of everything that I've told you. John chapter 14, verse 26 says, he says, he's going to bring everything to your remembrance that I have taught you. It's by the spirit of God 
that the disciples were able to understand what those truths were. You see, it was the Holy Spirit of God that, that moved men to write those truths that we know as the New Testament. You look in 2 Peter chapter number 2, for instance. Look at 2 Peter chapter number, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, I'm sorry, verse number 21. It said, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You see, the Holy Spirit was the one that was moving them to write the words that we have. It wasn't that they were just inspired. It wasn't that ju they just had these crazy ideas that they wanted to write down for people to follow. No. If they would have tried to come up with it themselves, they would have been following the spirit of error. But the spirit of truth was going to guide them to remember, hey, this is what Jesus has taught. This is what he taught us when he was with us for three and a half years as we followed him uh, into the temple, as he taught the multitudes. Remember what, we, what he says? I remember what he says and what he was teaching. And, and the Holy Spirit would bring that back into their lives and, and the apostles uh, began to write those truths down. And the Holy Spirit was guiding them to remember and to follow what Jesus himself had taught. I say again, we can trust today that anyone claiming the Spirit of God has shown them anything contrary to quite what Christ has said, you can, you can bank on it. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's not the Spirit of God that is leading them to do that. It's not the Spirit of God that's leading them to cheat on their wife. It's not the Spirit of God that is teaching them and helping them to lie out of a bad situation or to be deceitful with people. It's not the Spirit of God that does that. You see, the Spirit of God teaches what Jesus has taught. He leads you in that way. Now, just as a side note, that means we must study what Jesus has said. That's why it's so important for us to have a constant and consistent Bible study in our life. Why? Because the Holy Spirit can only guide us to what Jesus has said. As you spend time in the Bible, the Holy Spirit will begin to enlighten you and illuminate you to the truths of God's words. That's why there's times when you're reading, and it might be the fifth time you've read John chapter 16, but suddenly you read it this fifth time and you go, wow, I hadn't seen that before. You see, why? Why can you read the Bible over and over again and never get tired of it? I know of men that have read it 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 and, and 100 times, and they're still not tired of it. Why? Because there's always new truth that the Holy Spirit is leading them to and guiding them in. It's important for you and I to make a decision, even this morning, if we're not having a consistent time of Bible study, we need to do that. Make a decision today that says, Spirit of God, would you lead me to understand what it is that you want? What it is that uh, you have taught and what you have left us in your word? Uh, we need the Spirit of God to help us with that. Because see, that's one of the purposes that the Spirit of God has given to us. But let me give you another purpose of why the Spirit of God is here. And that is to bring unity. To bring unity. If you look there in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. It's speaking of the disciples there, and there was about 120 disciples at that time, and they were there in an upper room, and, and it says on that day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God came upon them, the Bible says that they were all in one accord. 
There was unity there. You see, uh, the the Spirit of God is one that brings unity to people, to uh, a church, and to a family. You can bank on it. Where there's confusion and there's chaos, it's not the Spirit of God that is moving. Families don't break up because the Spirit of God is working in them. It's usually because the Spirit of God isn't working in them. In fact, Paul says that God is not the author of confusion. A lot of what was happening in the church of Corinth when Paul wrote that to them, to the Christians in the city of Corinth, was because there was a lot of confusion in that church. People were talking and speaking in languages that no one understood. Uh, They were trying to uh, outdo themselves of who was more spiritual and who was a better Christian. And and they had all these wrong purpose and this wrong focus, and it was causing dissension in the church. People were, uh, were lying about one another. Another, and there's people that were being deceitful with one another. There was a sin in that church. People that were committing fornication. And there was all kinds of uh, confusion and sin in that church because it wasn't the Spirit of God that was leading them. They were following a wrong spirit. And Paul reminds them, listen, the Spirit of God is not one that brings confusion into life. It's one that brings unity. So it's important for us to understand this morning that one of the ways that, uh, that the Holy Spirit is going to guide you, one of the ways that you're going to hear His voice is by understanding, first of all, is this what Jesus taught? It's what I have in my heart and what I want to do with my life. Is this what Jesus taught? Does it conform to what Jesus said or is it contrary to what Jesus said? Secondly, is this bringing us unity? Is this bringing unity to me and my family? Is this bringing unity to me and my church family? Or is this just bringing confusion? Is this trying to break something up? You see, whenever the Holy Spirit is leading, it always results in unity among people that are working together. You'll notice as you read through the book of Acts, and we don't have time to read every passage, but maybe you can do a study in the book of Acts, and you'll find that that early church, that first century church, you'll find that they, the Bible says they had all things in common. And suddenly, all of these people in that church were bringing for the needs of others. Many of them were selling all they had, their lands and their possessions, and bringing that money to the church. And many of them were bringing things that the poor needed, whether it was food or raiment or or whatever the necessity was. And they were coming and bringing it, and they were giving it away, giving it to the people in the church. And the Bible says they were all of one accord. They were all in unison. They were all looking for the needs of others. And it brought unity. You see, when there's unity in a church, it's because the people of that church are being led by the Spirit of God. I tell you, many times churches don't experience that because they're not really looking nor hearing and recognizing the voice of God. They're listening to the voice of this age and the reasoning of this world. They're listening to the Spirit of criticism that the devil brings into their mind. Very few of them are trying to just be still and recognize what is the voice of God? What is it that's going to bring us together to do more for God? Because the Spirit of God always brings unity. But I want you to notice thirdly this morning that his purpose is to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, he said in John 15, 26, the Lord Jesus said, But when the comforters come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. 
One of the ways that we can recognize the Spirit of God is this, is what the Spirit of God or what the Spirit that is speaking to me, is He leading me to do something that will exalt Christ? You know, that's the difference between doing a good thing and doing a good work. When you do a good thing, anybody can do it. You don't have to be saved. You don't have to go to church. You don't even have to believe in the Bible. You could do a good thing. You can build a hospital. You can feed some of the poor people. You can uh, go and, and serve your city, and, and you can reach some of the needs that are in your city or in your neighborhood. You don't really have to be a Bible-believing person to do some of those things. You can be a complete, selfish, prideful reprobate and still do good things. But you'll notice that the Bible never talks about doing good things. He says when we serve God, we are to do a good work. The difference lies that in a good work, the reason and the, the final purpose of it is to exalt our God. That's a good work. Anything that you do that at the end people can see that God or Christ is exalted, then that is a good work. It's not just a good thing. And so it's important for you and I to understand that the Holy Spirit, when he guides us, he's going to guide us to do something that will exalt Jesus Christ. He's not going to exalt himself. Sometimes people believe that as Baptists, we don't know much about the Holy Spirit because we don't talk a lot about uh, the Holy Spirit and, and speak in tongues as uh, some would teach. And, and they say, have you ever been baptized by the Holy Spirit? And they believe that that means you're going to do miracles and do things like that. And, and they say, you Baptists, y'all don't really know a whole lot about uh, the Holy Spirit. I, I wish y'all knew more about him. Can I say that that is a wrong spirit? The Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself says, I'm not going to be about me. It isn't about me. Jesus told his disciples, if you get a spirit and you begin to follow a spirit that's all about him, that is the wrong spirit. The Holy Spirit says, I've come to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ, not to exalt myself. He said, I, I'm here to, to indwell you, to make you more like him, not more like me. That spirit of truth guides us to that to the exaltation and glorification of Jesus Christ. He draws us to him to see him differently. Let me tell you something. Anytime you get into your Bible and you begin to study and you see things that are about Christ and it makes you go, Christ is unbelievable. The Lord Jesus really does love me. He really is wonderful. Anything that gives you to that conclusion is the Spirit of God. Perhaps you've experienced that. Perhaps you've been listening on the radio or even here in church. And you've heard a song sung and it begins to speak to your heart. And you begin to understand the words, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. When you hear the song, His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. Jesus our Lord. And begins to move something in your soul. And your emotions get stirred and, and you almost get to the point where you're getting teary-eyed and maybe you even shed tears because you see Jesus for who he is. The King of Kings. The Savior. My friend. That's the Spirit of God working in you and me. Any spirit that takes away from Jesus Christ is a spirit that is not of God. Can I say, as you go to work tomorrow, 
Make sure that you live a work for God. You say the work for God isn't always just done in these walls inside this temple. Most of the work that we'll do for God is outside these walls. You know, you can, you can just put blocks together at your job and do, do a good work for Christ. Because you see, if your co-workers begin to see in you something that is different, if they begin to see in you, not yourself in a, a, an attitude that everyone else has, but an attitude that is different, an attitude that is Christ-like, and they begin to ponder and wonder what makes you different, and you get to say, I'm different not because of who I am, but because of who he is. He's made me different. He's changed me. Then that's a work of God. That's the Spirit of God is leading you that others might exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we know that the Spirit of God is leading the pastor to put this building? Because you know what? The ultimate purpose of that building isn't just so we can have a place to play and eat some food. The ultimate purpose for that building is that we can reach others for the cause and the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I envision a day where people can go and we have an event there and, and they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ being preached and they say, you know, I need that in my life. I need that spirit to guide me. I need that spirit to indwell me. And they give their life to the Lord Jesus Christ and they're changed and transformed. That's the purpose of that building. Not so others can see, oh, how big that church is. Not so others can see how great we do things. No, it's the purpose of exalting Christ. Listen, when you're listening and trying to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit, you'll find that that Holy Spirit brings unity. That Holy Spirit exalts Christ. That Holy Spirit of God will begin to teach you what Christ has said and illuminate you to those truths. You see, you've got to spend time with Him if you're going to understand His voice. If you're going to be able to recognize his voice, spend time with him. Hear what he has to say. It's always an important thing before you read your Bible to just take 30 seconds and say, Dear God, will your spirit please lead me and illuminate me for what I'm about to read? In fact, you could do it in five seconds. I think I just did in about five seconds. It doesn't take long, but it's so important. Saying, Spirit of God, lead me. Spirit of God, speak to me through your word. We see that we must, if we're going to be guided by the Holy Spirit, we must recognize his voice. But secondly, we must respond to his voice. You see, in order to benefit from what a guide provides... We must respond to what they're saying in obedience. <laughs> There's not going to be a lot gained by simply receiving their instruction. You might have some head knowledge, but you'll never experience it. It's kind of like getting on the phone right now with somebody that works as a guide. And they can tell you everything about their city, but until you go to the city, you'll never know how beautiful it is. And you'll never be able to experience what that is like. You'll have all this knowledge, but no experience. You know, sadly, so many Christians today are lacking in their response to the Holy Spirit of God. They know a lot about what the Spirit of God has done. And we read about the great revivals of years past and the great men that God used in years past. But let me just say, the Spirit of God is still looking for men to be used today. 
God is not just looking at, well, this is what D.L. Moody did, and in his lifetime, he was able to preach to over a million people. But that was back in the 1800s and early 1900s. But God did not stop working back then. You know that God is still looking for a D.L. Moody today. The Spirit of God is still trying to speak to His children today and saying, would just somebody respond to my voice? Is there somebody that will listen and say, I'm going to follow what the Spirit of God leads me to do? So many Christians today, we, we say we want to follow the Spirit of God, but we have our conditions to do it. We say, Spirit of God, if you're going to speak to me, speak to me from Tuesday at 1 to Friday at 5, and that's it. But you know, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, those are my days. Spirit of God, that is my time. Don't ask me to go and do this. Don't ask me to be there because, listen, that's mine. I appreciate so much that our church has Christians that are willing not to just tell the Spirit of God only on this day, but on every day. Yesterday we had, I don't know, about 15 or 20 people come and have a meeting and start getting prepared for Route 66. And the workers there and the leader there gave up about three hours of their Saturday just to come and prepare and get their lessons ready and get all of their uh, tools ready and get everything that they're going to need to make this program something that will impact the children of our church, impact the children of the city. I'm thankful that they don't just say, well, Spirit of God, I come on Sunday at 9.30. And if we're not out by 10.45, i got some words to say. I'm glad that there are those that won't say, well, the only Spirit of God, I'll, I'll go to you and with you this long and no further. Some people say, Spirit of God, I'll, I, I want to follow you, but don't call me to be a missionary. Spirit of God, I'll, I'll follow you, but don't call me to be in full-time service. Don't ask me to be that teacher. Don't ask me to be that usher. Don't ask me to be that helper. And we miss so much of experiencing the Christian life simply because we don't respond to the Spirit of God. It's not that the Spirit of God isn't speaking anymore, and it's not that revival is not possible anymore, and it's not that we can't reach more people here in mission. It's just that we just need to be a little bit more sensitive to the voice of God when he speaks. It's not a bad idea sometimes to just say, you know what, this week, there's going to be no television. You know what, this week, that thing that I like to do with my time, I'm going to sacrifice it and just spend it with God. I feel that so many times in my life, that is what is needed more. You'll find that the response to the Spirit of God always leads to surrender. There's never a time where you're going to respond to the Spirit of God and you're not going to surrender. That's what it's all about. Do you realize what the definition of surrender is? It means to willingly come under the influence of another without having been forced to. You see... When there's a war and one army goes to fight another army, if that army, that second army begins to fight against the first army, 
And that first army wins, it wasn't because of a surrender. It was because they were more powerful. They were a better army. They were more equipped. And they won the battle. But if one of those armies says, we are not going to fight, we are surrendering to whatever it is that you want, then in that moment, that other army doesn't continue fighting with them. In that moment, the other army says, well, here are the terms. And they say, okay, we agree to those terms and we'll live those terms. There's no fighting. There's no forcing. It's just one army saying, we're surrendering. The Spirit of God does not work into our life until we get to that point. Until we get to a point of surrender in our life. where We say, God, it's, it's you, not me. God, I, I need to just go willingly where you lead me. You don't have to force me. You don't have to fight me. I don't want to fight you. Think about it. A God who has never lost a battle. A God who has never lost a war. A God who's never been confused or made a mistake. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to follow a leader, I hope I can follow a leader that's more right than he is wrong. And when you follow the Spirit of God, let me tell you, you're always going to be right. But in order to do that, we must surrender and have a heart that is willing to follow. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome and he said, I beseech you by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and and acceptable and perfect will of God. He was saying, listen, the Spirit of God is going to lead you to that if you just respond. Surrender yourself. And can I say, closing this morning, that we respond when we spend time in prayer with him. We must spend time in prayer with the Holy Spirit. You see, to hear his voice, we not only read his word, but we must spend time with him in prayer. He shows us and leads us and guides us as we take time in prayer. You see, he's the ultimate prayer partner. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the one that will make intercession for us. He makes intercession because we don't know what to pray for, but he does. And he speaks to the Father on our behalf. The Bible says that he is our intercessor intercessor here on earth, while Jesus is our intercessor there in heaven. He is a prayer partner that you and I need today. Because see, in that time of prayer, it allows us to walk by faith even when we don't see clearly what God is leading us to. Hebrews 13, 21, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Jude said, but ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Holy Spirit, 
He says, when you take that time to talk with God, be sure you have that prayer partner of the Holy Spirit with you. Be sure you're uh, praying in the Spirit that the Holy Spirit leads you in. Ephesians 6.18 says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. He's going to help you to know what to ask for. He's going to help you to understand what it is that your need is. He's going to help you to see what the needs of others are when you spend time with him in prayer. That is the response of one who is following the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's not one that just wants to hear a voice and do whatever he wants and then claim the Holy Spirit is leading him. No. God's not the author of confusion. But God says, I want you to recognize my voice. It's not loud. I'm not going to shout at you, but I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to speak to you through the Word of God. And you're going to start to hear that voice in your heart. And he's begin, He will begin to lead you into what I have said. He's going to bring you in unity with others. The Holy Spirit is going to be the one to give us what we need. He's going to exalt Christ in what we do. He's going to make him the main purpose that will lead us to surrendering to him and spending time in prayer. You see, this morning it's vital that we recognize the Holy Spirit's voice in our life. We must recognize it and we must respond. He is our faithful guide. As we follow him, we can experience what we can never experience without him. You experience the real Christian life. Not the religious Christian life, but the real Christian life. This week, I, um, I was introduced to a new term that I had, I had not heard before, and uh, I know we have quite a few teachers here in our congregation to teach, and you might already be familiar with this term, but it's called uh, the, the teaching method of guided discovery. And, uh, and this teaching method is a, is a teaching method that, that, that is usually very effective with students. And what you do is it's, it's more than just like book work and academic work. You, you, know, you do more than just really talk about a, a lesson that's there in the book. What you do is you begin to give them a problem that needs to be resolved. But the way you bring up the problem is by bringing up something that's kind of counterintuitive or something that, uh, that goes against really what, what the logic is or what a common myth might be. For instance, an example of it is a teacher might say to his students, did you know that we are closest to the sun in the month of January? And yet it's usually the coldest time here in North America. I mean, you would think the closer you get to a hot burning sun, the hotter it would be, but it's not. And then you would help the student to begin to understand then what is making it so cold. Now you can start the class by just saying, well, you know what makes the earth cold and just tell them. But the guided discovery method is by presenting this problem and letting them begin to analyze and figure out based on that common myth why it is that way. And in that process, you know, students usually get to the point where they go, ah, I get it. That's why. And usually that lesson just stays with them. They have found that the guided discovery method is one of the most effective methods in teaching people. 
Now, it made me think as I was learning about that and studying this passage of Scripture that that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit, as we confront a problem, doesn't right away tell you what the answer is, but He will guide you. And there's moments in the Christian life when you're following the leading of the Spirit of God where you go, Aha! I get it! That's what it is! I get it! And suddenly you're experiencing real Christianity. You see, by His Spirit, your faith is never the same. And His guidance is something you'll never want to live without. This morning, Jesus said, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. How does He guide us? Well, we've got to recognize His voice. And we've got to respond to it. I pray that this morning you'll make a decision that says, that's what I want. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Lead me and guide me. May we surrender ourselves to the person of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and thank you so much for your spirit. Oh, I can't imagine what life would be without the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. Oh, I think there would be so much confusion. There would be so much chaos. Oh, but Father, by your Spirit, we can, we can find what it is that exalts Christ in our life, and we can find what it is that brings unity to our life. We can understand the truth of your Word and come to a place where we just not argue about it. We don't try to logically understand it. We don't wait till we can see it, but we just surrender to it. We spend time in prayer with you, listening for that voice in our heart and follow its leading. I pray that this morning as we, as we take time even now to listen to your spirit, I pray that we would respond in a way that would honor you. This morning, perhaps you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I'm, I'm one that has the Holy Spirit abiding in me. but I haven't been really following his guidance. You just pray for me that this week I can follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I want to experience that real Christian life. I want to experience that joy. I want to have that relationship with him stronger than ever. Would you just pray for me? Is there anyone like that? Would you raise your hand? I just want to pray for you. I see it. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. I see those hands. Amen. Amen. I see those hands. Perhaps you're here this morning and you have yet to take a moment in your life where you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Where you've you've not yet received the Holy Spirit to indwell you and abide with you. Perhaps that's the decision you need to make this morning. If that's your decision, will you raise your hand this morning? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want someone to show you with the Word of God how you can have the Spirit of God indwelling in you. You can have the forgiveness of your sins and Christ as your Savior. Is there anyone like that this morning? Father, I saw hands, but you saw hearts. And I pray that you would work in each and every one of us, myself included, that every day I would yield myself and surrender myself more to your guidance.
I would not try to live the life, the Christian life, in my own power, strength, mind, but that, Father, I would willingly and be able to live it in your power and live it by your guidance. 